be superstar type players in the NFL, over a thousand yards. Um, the Jamar Chases of the world type players where you're, you're getting a true number one receiver on your team. And so... Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, March the 1st. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined once again live in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine by producer JT, who you can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? I'm good. I really did wake up this morning um, thinking that it was going to be February 30th. That was like because of the weird day. That's how. Uh, that's how February. I, yes. A month known for all thirty of its days. <laughs> yes, but we, we're now in March, which sure. is cool, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, we listened to the wide receivers today, quarterbacks as well, and running backs. Three uh, groups where the Titans don't really need. Uh, they don't need a quarterback. They could use a running back, and they desperately need. Sure some wide as heck, receivers. need multiple receivers. Yeah, yep, that's going to be the focus of today's episode. If you couldn't have guessed already, receivers, receivers, receivers. We heard from them today. We spoke to a couple of NFL draft experts about them today. We've got two clips to show you from interviews we conducted earlier today with a couple of friends of ours here at the combine. Some folks that you know and that you trust, and who have really done their homework. So stoked about that to show you what we uh, spoke to them about, saw saw with them, what we learned really from them. And and it's a really good couple of conversations. So we'll share that in a bit. And then we had some athletic testing this afternoon. We just got back from Lucas Oil Stadium where we saw the cornerbacks get after it with their 40-yard dash and their their ensuing drills on the field. Um, We have the tight ends testing tonight. Of course, I think that's going on as we speak, most likely. And that's really, really important. I wanted to touch on that very briefly here at the top because there really is no position um, in football where your athleticism, your RAS, your relative athletic score, whatever athletic metric you're using matters more than the tight end position. It just all of all of the correlation is the best athletes are the best tight ends. You have to be a freak athlete to be a really good tight end in the NFL with almost no exceptions. And so it's a very, very big deal for those guys going later today. We'll be, I'm sure, talking about those scores on tomorrow's episode a good bit. But until then, I would recommend keeping an eye on that after you're done watching this show, of course. Um, And if you are watching with us live, we appreciate you being here. A couple of things we want to ask of you. First of all, go on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page, Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Find this live stream. And in the comment section of that live stream, that is where you can be a part of today's conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts. DP and Derek already with us. Appreciate you fellas tuning in with us live. And if you are with us live, do us a favor, hit retweet, hit subscribe, hit like, copy the link, send it to your grandma, whatever you can do to help us get as many people in the chat, as many live eyeballs on this show as humanly possible. We would really appreciate you helping us out in that way. Okay. JT, let's start with the uh, the receivers we spoke to this morning, and then we'll get into uh, the two interview clips that we have. Um, we can start with the two most known quantities for the Titans, that is, of course, Marvin Harrison Jr. out of the gate this morning, not showing up to his podium. An NFL representative came out and said, he's not here. He is not coming. I have no further information. Uh, he is here in Indianapolis. We got confirmation later that he was doing his medical testing. So 
there's that. Um, but he just chose not to do the talking, which is very wide receiver of him. Um, you know, maybe I think some folks would say that's a red flag. That means they should drop to seven. Good luck with that. Uh, but we did speak to Roma Dunze out of Washington and Malik Neighbors out of LSU, two guys that are really, really talented receivers, two of the three upper echelon in this class and two guys that the assumption is at least one of them may very well be available for the Titans at seven. JT, what were your overarching thoughts on what we heard from those two guys today? Well, my main overarching thought is that uh, from a person perspective and someone at when you're asking some of these wide receiver questions, there really is no separation of uh, big differences between Malik neighbors and Roma Dunze. Both sure. had fantastic uh, media availabilities. I think Roma Dunze especially had a really nice media availability. Um, and that just kind of goes to show you that these guys are the real deal, uh, love the game of football and are future superstars in the making that the Titans could potentially uh, take one of these superstars. Um, and yeah, I was very blown away, especially by Roma Dunze today uh, and Malik Neighbors as well. I think he had that one comment about uh, who's the hardest uh, cornerback that you ever went up against and mm -hmm. he said well they had six of them on me every single game so <laughs> right. i didn't get to play against them not a whole lot of press man against uh roma not roma dunze malik against neighbors, uh, malik neighbors yep. in college and so yeah that was a, a pretty that comment went pretty hard i'm not gonna lie uh it's a bar. I, it is a bar did you was it a red flag for you at all when we heard from roma dunze and asked whether or not he felt he could land a plane in an emergency situation and he said something along the lines of absolutely not all of the people on board will be deceased. Uh, I need, I need a little delusional confidence in my wide receiver one. I'm not sure I loved that from him, I, even though he's right. Objectively, he's definitely correct. Uh, I want him to think that he could see. I, I, I think it's the opposite <laughs> way. I, I respect okay. the honesty. It's a green flag for you. I, I respect the honesty there. So I think uh, being realistic in his expectations there, um, unlike some other wide receivers that we, that, uh, in how they usually conduct themselves, sure. you know, um, that I think that's more telling than being a diva. Yeah, absolutely. We also spoke to uh, Ricky Pearsall out of Florida, who um, is a, an interesting one for me on the consensus board. He's ranked relatively highly, definitely a day two prospect, but uh, he's he, probably best known for his one handed catch that went viral during his last college season last fall. Um, he, he was a stand up guy, really enjoyed his media availability uh, seemed like the kind of guy that you would want in a locker room. I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of exactly what to say about these guys, because aside from one or two noteworthy things they had to say it, you know, they, they don't really say much. Um, and they are very, they're, they're very well-trained athletes at this point in their lives. They've done a lot of media availability through college. Like this is, this is their bread and butter. They know what they're doing and they answered the questions appropriately and gave insightful answers. And there wasn't, was there anybody today that, that you were, you came away from their availability, just not really impressed or felt like, uh, you know, judging them just based on that short amount of time, they kind of gave you the ick a little bit. Jermaine Burton is one okay. that I think the vibes Alabama. were off yep. out of Alabama. Um, he's a guy, I believe, um, we were talking to our good friend Nick Suss of the Tennessean earlier mm -hmm. today about him, and, and he, when he he said uh, it's a kind of a softball question to ask these wide receivers what what makes you stand out um, amongst the other ones, right. and I believe his response to that was simply, "It's a great quote." Yeah, I'm different. Right, I, I'm different than all the other ones. I think he said he said 
everybody is always doing the same thing. Not me. Not me. Not me. You won't catch Jermaine Burton doing the same thing as everybody else ever. Won't catch him dead doing it. Um, yeah, that that was that was a good, I think, uh, a good encapsulation of what he had to say. I I can understand coming away from that press conference a little bit turned off by him. He he's an interesting one that you'll hear in in our clip with Trevor Sikama, um, head of draft content over at PF, a lead draft analyst, I believe, over at PN, PFF, who we had a chance to sit down and speak with today. Um, he's a really talented receiver. Burton is, but there seems to be something about him that just doesn't click for some folks. Um, so I guess this is a, as good a time as any for us to go ahead and dive into that interview. Just a short clip. We, we spoke with Trevor quite a bit about some other things that we'll have on the show tomorrow when we're focused more on the offensive line side of things with the Titans. So we're saving that portion of the interview for tomorrow's episode. You'll have to tune in then to see it in its entirety. But for now, let's play um, the question I asked him. Again, this is Trevor Sycamore, head of draft content over at PFF. I asked him about late day three, primarily receivers that he thinks could be steals of this draft. On the receiver side of things, later in this draft, are, are there any guys that you have studied that just pop as this guy might be on day three, and I think somebody's really going to get away with you know with murder here. Like this is crazy that this guy is available here. I think that he could be an impact player early in the NFL. Dude, there's a, there's a lot. There really are, and and I I don't think that all of them are going to work out just because it's a numbers game. Sure. It's just like I don't I don't think so. But you know, guys like Jermaine Burton from Alabama, I'm way high. I have a second round grade. Are people talking? I have about a him. second round grade on Jermaine. Burton. I, I hear nothing about. Jermaine I Burton. I hear absolutely nothing about. And look, you know he's. Got a little bit of a temporary place, a little bit fiery. Sure. So I wonder yeah, if yeah. you know maybe if he was a little bit of a headache for Alabama okay. or Georgia. So I just I, that, that's why I wonder because and I'm not saying that he is. I don't know for sure if he is. But I haven't met him before. Right, but right. his tape's too good for us to not be talking about him at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So Jermaine Burton is one. I like Anaya Smith from Texas A&M as okay. well. I think he would be a really productive player, super versatile player. Um, I like Jamari Thrash, even though he's not the fastest dude in the world. Just the subtleties of how great he is at tracking the ball deep, and you know we saw that at the Senior Bowl as well. I think. That um, those are a handful of players that immediately come to my mind. That it's like, man, just because of again a numbers game, I think they might be available early parts of day three, who might end up being super productive at the at the league. So appreciate Trevor obviously doing that with us, and again a lot more from him in our interview with him on tomorrow's episode talking about the offensive linemen. Um, he, he mentioned three names there: Jermaine Burton, uh, Jamari Thrash, and Anaya Smith out of A and M, and they are in that order on the consensus board. You've got Jermaine Burton out of Bama at 88 overall, but peaking um, nationally in mocks at 40. So certainly somebody that is rising, and I would be surprised if he is still there on day three. I think he's going to be a mid to late day two selection. But the other two guys, Jamari Thrash out of Louisville, 128 overall, a fourth-round selection uh, as projected right now, and Anaya Smith, 155. I think 155 is fifth round. Yeah, fifth-round projection. Smith's an interesting one because uh, we saw him at the Senior Bowl, He's somebody that our buddy Danny Kelly, who you'll hear from in just a minute, Danny Kelly, um, lead. I don't know if he's lead. He's a, he's a draft analyst with the ringer. One of the best, uh, maybe I'm going to go ahead and say the best when it comes to comping players in the nation. He's just got a phenomenal way of comping players to things you didn't think they could be comped to. And yet it makes sense when he says it. We love Danny and we appreciated his time. So we'll hear from him in just one second. I know he's a big fan of Anaya Smith out of AM, not the biggest guy, but when he has the ball in his hands, there's just something about him that is electric. Now he leans really, really heavily on the run after catch, I believe, if, if I if I'm remembering remember, remembering co- correctly. And 
just can't speak today. Um, it, it, it's the kind of player that is a project in a lot of ways. Um, did, did you have any thoughts on Anaya Smith? Have you watched him at all yet? Not anything else besides the senior bowl. And I think he had a fine one at that, but he's a guy that I think could be there. You talk about yards after the catch in things like that. Um, if they do end up not getting a guy like Malik neighbors and you still want that value later in these, uh, day three rounds he could be there and could be an option if uh, as brian callahan kind of alluded to kind of getting things that fit every different kind of mold of a receiver you kind of want to collect them all and have as versatile of a wide receiver room as you possibly can on your team so they went for a guy with like roma dunze who is more uh contested catch and that big playmaking ability but not much yards after the catch you could possibly pair it with a day three pick of Anaya Smith and have a little bit of both. Right. And he's actually thicker than I thought. 200 pounds, 510 though, listed on PFF. We'll get uh, some more uh, official numbers on him tomorrow. But uh, he's, he's the kind of player who, you know, was used in a secondary or tertiary role at AM, had 795 yards, 15 yards per reception, which is pretty good. Only two touchdowns on the year though. Um, and so he, he, he's somebody that, um, I think could be a day three option for the Titans, but the, the odds are they're going to want to get one of these guys at the top of the draft. So let's focus back on that. And that's what a big part of our conversation was with Danny Kelly round one and round two options for the Titans, obviously in round one, the difference between neighbors and, and Roma Dunze. And then in the second round, I gave him four names that I think are likely to be there. Um, many of them, if not all of them, for the Titans and what differentiates them, what his thoughts are on those four guys. Let's listen into what he had to say. Hey, we're here with Danny Kelly. Uh, we're the Cleveland Browns today here at the NFL Combine. Uh, <laughs> we're, talking, we're talking to uh, Danny Kelly of the Ringer NFL Draft Show now. Yep. Uh, Danny Heifetz is also here. Hi, Danny. Oh shit! We're I on it. We're on it. A... <laughs> <laughs> it's your thing. How's it going? Are we on? Should yeah. I leave? Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> what is he talking about? No. No, you're fine. It's okay. Uh, so we're we're talking about um, a lot of things, Titans-ish related, and then mm-hmm. one thing at the end that has nothing to do with it. But I have to get your opinion. Okay. But can we start with the top two receivers in this class? Because after yeah. the the Titans brass came and talked about how they're really wanting a playmaker and. It seems like they're very firmly in the, if our guy is there at seven, we don't care about tackle. We will go and get the guy. Mm. It's it's Roman and, and Malik. Malik right. neighbors, Roma Dunze are the, the two and the three in this class. And you would think one of them probably there at seven. You never know. But um, yeah. a lot has been made about the difference between the two guys because they are kind of different strokes. Right. Um, what, what do you make of the difference between the two guys? And do you prefer one over the other? I mean, yeah, it's it's tough because they're very different stylistically. Like Malik Neighbors is really, really explosive. Right. He, he has incredible yards after the catch ability. I think that's one of the biggest things about him is like get him the ball. He can make guys miss. He can like annihilate pursuit angles, just run past people, touchdown from any place on the field kind of guy. Um, and you know, he he moves around the formation. He I think lined up in the slot around 50% of the time, 50 to 60% of the time. So mm-hmm. he's like kind of all over the formation. Um, I would say the one thing that is kind of like a question mark on his, on his profile is that he, in that offense, didn't have to like beat press all the time. He's right. kind of given like free releases. A part of that is because he's so fast, like teams are just not going to get up in his face and press him. Um, but that's kind of like the one question mark. But yeah, what did he say today? Where it's like I faced six DBs a game. I don't know which yeah. one of them are good. Yeah, right. Um, and so like his speed is is the big thing. He's just incredibly, incredibly explosive player. 
Um, and then on the other side, Odunze is a different player. He's he's like an X receiver, big, physical, wins at the catch point. Like his his contested catch rate was like ludicrously high, like seventy percent, something right. like that. Um, does that concern you when you see a number like that, like a sustainability yeah, yeah. element of it? Sometimes it does. I think that that's one of those stats where it is a like a little bit of an alarm bell will go off, and then you kind of have to dig into it a little bit more and see if it's if it's a big deal. I think the reason it's a red flag is because sometimes that will mean or that sometimes that implies you can't separate, right? Like you have so many contested catch targets because you're not getting open, right? And your quarterback is just throwing it up and hoping you come down with it. I don't think that's the case with him at all. He's really twitchy in the short area. You know, he can separate, he can run routes, he can get open. He has really a good ability to separate late in his routes, too. That's, like, one of the biggest things when you get to the NFL. It's like you're never really, quote-unquote, open in the NFL. So, yeah, he has that. um, I would say he is much more of a traditional X receiver where, you know, he's going to be the big-time red zone weapon. He's going to be the big-time throw it to him get open on first or on third down and mm-hmm. get a first down type of guy right um you know kind of like in the Dondre hopkins mold i right. think like that type of that archetype of receiver and so yeah i mean they're they're different styles and it just kind of depends on what you're looking for maybe the titans want a guy more like neighbors because they have hopkins right now of course he's not gonna be around forever but right um and then on the other hand maybe they don't want neighbors because that's a little bit what like kind of redundancy Burks is like you know like sure. long term like a, a, right. a explosive guy that will take the top off of defense not necessarily super nuanced as a route runner yet um, so I don't know it's gonna be interesting I think you know if I'm leaning one way or the other I probably go neighbors just slightly right um, but again I think you know th- there's so many variables here like is will Levis the long term you don't necessarily need to get a guy that like matches up with Na- with Levis because right. we don't know for sure if he's going to be around forever. Well, at this point, just talent would be like of any kind right. would be nice, right? right. Exactly. Um, do you, do you see them both as guys worthy of a top ten selection, or yeah. or yeah, I think so for yeah. sure. I mean, right now I have I think Odunze at six, and so okay. and he's my third receiver. Right. So like these guys, th- this is a really good receiver class, especially at the very top. Um, you know, I think all three of these guys have potential to be superstar type players in the NFL, like over a thousand yards. Um, the Jamar Chases of the world type players, where you're, you're getting a true number one receiver on your team. And so, yeah, absolutely, first round pick, or sorry, top ten pick. I, I think the other thing is there's not a lot of defensive players that are like quote unquote top ten, right? You know, type talent. It's going to be receivers, tackles, and quarterbacks, and kind of how those stack up will kind of tell you, but. I do think, you said it earlier, I think there's a pretty strong chance that a Dunesay or Neighbors is there at number seven. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Philosophically, like, it, it seems the consensus is you have these top three receivers. There's a, a pretty significant drop-off before the next kind yeah. of group of guys. With yeah. the tackle class, it's a really deep one. And mm-hmm. you've got the top guys in Joe Alt and Olaf Ishanu, But um, with where the Titans are at, like, would you approach it from a let's get playmakers in here and and do this thing we'll figure out the offensive line as we go you know the, the kind of yeah. lazy comments like oh you know brian callahan coming from the Bengals, where they did the whole thing with jamar chase you remember the meme yeah, yeah the whole yeah exactly no it's you, it's already making it's these rounds it's yeah happening. um so does that does that bother you at all in the context of this class in particular where um, maybe they feel they they need one of those top three receivers and right. can get away with a second round early second round tackle Man, it's so tough. I, I think like the cop out answer is like, if you get a really good player at that spot, it like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Both right. are good. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, maybe it was Callahan said this week that 
he prefers like the receiver. He, yeah, he, he alluded pretty to much like, said it yeah. explicitly. Yeah, um, when all things are equal is what he said. Right. Which it's like, do they see it as equal? Yeah, is the question. Like, yeah, like again, if both of them are going to be star players, this is like the Penny Sewell versus Jamar Chase. Which they would have been fine either in, way. Because right. they, exactly. They yeah. both turned into great players. What is going to be a bigger impact? Um, I tend to lean. I don't know. It, it's so tough. I probably go back and forth every day about this, but like, right. I tend to lean that a receiver is going to help your uh, quarterback. The impact, like the relative impact from an average receiver to an elite receiver, right? Versus like the relative impact from like an average uh, offensive tackle versus an elite offensive tackle. I, I feel like I tend to go towards the receiver is going to make the bigger difference for the for the quarterback. Right. Um, it feels like there's kind of a tough. threshold where it's like yeah. the. Right. The, the passing game, protection-wise, has to be a bare minimum of whatever this, yeah. you know, intangible thing is for it to work. And if you can get there, if you can get the then having made. that weapon, right, right, exactly. Because Jamar comes in and, you know, their pass protection is very bad. The Titans are playing them in the divisional round of the playoffs in sacks Joe Burrow nine times. But they still win the game because right. Jamar Chase makes an incredible fourth-quarter catch and they get into field goal range and win the game. So it's, yeah. it's kind of that microcosm right there. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of – and it's like – you know, the special receivers in the NFL are the types of guys are they're scoring touchdowns. They are really, really affecting and impacting the game. Right. Um, and you can have an offensive tackle who's really good, um, but if, if there's nothing happening at the receiver position, if the quarterback can't find an open guy, like, you know, it's one of those chicken or the egg discussions, totally. I feel like. But I, you need both at the end of the day. I, yeah, 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 it helps yeah. both. My, but my instinct, I think, is that a big-time playmaking receiver has so much of an impact on a game. And you and, and the in the best offenses in the NFL you see are guys are, are teams that have like two really good receivers. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And it helps the quarterback so much. The quarterback's job is so hard. And if you have guys that can take some pressure off of him mm-hmm. um, and get open and, and make plays after the catch, like Jamar Chase will take a little slant route or take a little out route and just like score a touchdown. Yeah. And so um, you know, those are the types of guys I think that can really, really impact the game and change the total complexion of an offense where uh, tackles are more sort of like a, a very important cog in the machine kind yes. of deal. I don't know, and, and that could be like total BS, but that's just kind of like my instinct. Going no, on. I get where you're where you're coming from. You mentioned like impacting the game. Do you see both of these guys as they'll probably impact whichever offense they're put into immediately? Is the one guy that stands out in that regard? Um, that's a good question. I, I would say Rome is probably more polished. Okay. Um, just as a route runner, you know, just and, more of a traditional player. Right. He is, he's of, he's right. a traditional X. He's big, strong. Can run routes. He's really good at the catch point. I'd say neighbors is more. Neighbors to me is like he's more in the Jamar Chase mold, where it's like he's so explosive, like guys just can't keep up with him. Right. But I don't think he's necessarily super polished as a route runner. You know, there's still question marks again, like I said, of getting off the line when they're pressing him and all those types of questions. Where do you want to line him up, ideally? Type mm-hmm. of deal. Is he the type of guy that you want to that is going to get open and get a first down whenever you need it? Yep. So I'd say that's like just a very small distinction between the two. Odunze, on the other hand, is not like not very good after the catch. Right. Like he's not going to be that guy who's going to catch a pass and score a 60-yard touchdown by miss, making five guys miss and mm-hmm. like whatever. Um, but he's going to be so clutch in those high leverage situations that it's just like those are the two types of, of playmakers that you're dealing with. So what what you want more, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing Callahan coming from the Bengals and having that Jamar Chase type impact is probably going to lean neighbors but we'll see how that all goes right they may very well just go tackle and this all is <laughs> right. null and void and, and that would they, be fine if that they do good. that there are some guys in the early second round that i, I want to run four names by you and give sure. just give me your thoughts on on these guys um tell that person to leave you alone <laughs> uh, keon coleman 
Troy Franklin, and then both of the Texas boys, A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there, of those four, is there a guy that really stands out to you in a negative or a positive way? Mm, no. On a, in terms of negative, I would probably – I like all those guys. I would say, like, Worthy worries me just a little bit because he is so small. Right. Um, but, I mean, I'm not, like, down on him necessarily. I think he's a really good player. kind of reminds me of Zay Flowers. Okay. So, like, he's that type of player, again – who's going to get a lot of yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. I think he was one of the better yards after the catch creators in college football last year in terms of just throwing a little screen. He's going to make a couple guys miss and get you positive yardage. On the other hand, he's like Zay Flowers in some ways because he's a little all over the place, not necessarily super refined and nuanced as a route runner. Um, so that was kind of my comp for him. I think see some similarities there. And, you know, he could go out and have a Zay Flowers type year. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And that's, sure. like, awesome. Yeah. Um, but, again, it's kind of what you're looking for. Um, and then who are the other guys you mentioned? He's Troy Franklin. Troy Franklin, who yeah. I'm, I'm very curious what your opinion on him is because he seems to be a very polarizing guy. I know. It's, it, the whole hands thing is. That's, so I, I was just having this discussion with my buddy the other day, and it's like hands, the ability to catch the ball or just like the stats around drops right. can be such a – that can be like one of the biggest things that lies, like stats lie. That's what know? I wanted to ask. Is, not, is that a first-order term? Maybe not. not. It's, it's not yeah. sticky year over year in okay. a lot of cases. Yeah. There are some guys who just can't catch. Sure. And that's that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't necessarily think that's the case with, with Franklin because if you go back to 2022, I want to say his drop rate was like 3.2%, which is like elite. That's right. really good. Yeah. And then this year it was like 10%. Mm-hmm. And so – you get kind of the ick when you're watching it. It's like, man, he could have made a huge play here. He just dropped it. Yeah. Or, like, you know, he, he kind of, like, alligator arm this play. It just was like mm-hmm. – it kind of, like – I think it, it affects your evaluation more than it probably should. Well, that's my question is, like, if he – you know, if he had a 5% drop, like a very average drop rate, Say everything seven. about yeah. him was exactly the same – how would he be viewed differently? Probably a lot higher, yeah. honestly. And I, I really like him for that case. And, and by the way, all of his other statistical stuff is, like, really, really good. You know, um, like his target rate, his yards per team pass attempt, all the stuff, like, you look at from, like, a dynasty fantasy football, like, point of view. Right. Like, he's really good, really strong. Um, but, again, the question is, number one, are the drops a big deal? Is that going to be something that carries over to the NFL? Is it something that we should even care about? Probably not, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other question is just like, he has kind of an uh, interesting frame. He's like 6'3", 175 or 180, right, something right, like right. that. Bean pole. Yeah, he's very skinny. And again, there's question marks whether that even matters anymore based on the way that the NFL is kind of going. There's right. a lot of skinny guys. There's a lot, like Devontae Smith having a great year or having a great career so far. Itty bitty little Tank Dell. Right. I think we Tank both Dell. were like, eh, but then he's awesome. So I was scared off yeah. of Tank Dell so last year because yeah. of that. Um, and I think we're starting to see maybe it doesn't matter quite as much as you think it does. And so um, I'm pretty, I wouldn't say I'm like super high on him. I, I think he's probably going to end up being like a high second rounder. Right. And, but I think he's going to be a really good pro. I'm excited about what happens like with him, where he lands, um, because I think he has that big play potential. Um, he's really, really quick, actually, in the short area. I cut a couple of clips of him recently where he like catches the ball, turns around, and like makes a couple guys miss. And you don't typically see that from like a tall, lanky guy. Yeah. And so he's got really good short area quickness and athleticism from that point of view too. So um, he's another guy that I like. And then I'm I'm a big A.D. Mitchell guy. I think I, I originally had him in my top 32 when I first put a right. put the guide out, and then I've soured on him just like a slight amount just because his okay. analytical profile is pretty terrible right um in terms of his stats
stats. Like the like, isn't he one of the guys that only had th- like less than three hundred yard games in college or something? Uh, that could be the case, but yeah. like his yards per route run is like really relatively low. like way lower than you want it to be. Mm-hmm. He was the second um, most productive receiver. Like Xavier Worthy outproduced him. Right, in Texas. He wasn't super productive in, at Georgia. Um, but there's big, some big game player. I know. And so it's like it's hard because there's some pretty massive red flags from his analytical point of view. Right, but. I mean, when I watch him, I'm like, this guy reminds me of C.D. Lamb. Exactly, like, exactly. Like, you know, where do you kind of square that? I think probably going to be a second-round pick. Um, yeah. But I really like him. I'm just a little bit nervous about that sure. background, yeah. And then the last guy is Kean Coleman, who, you know, yeah, if we guy. talked about him in, in September, October, we'd have been like, first-round pick. Top 10. Right, right, right. He was like the ish, and then now it's, everyone seems to be like, old news, fell apart. Right. Um, there's certainly, like, on tape, there's some concentration things, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some like just taking plays off a little bit, where you know you'd imagine in the right fit in the NFL, it's gonna like that would get ironed out. Right. You would hope. Right. Um, but the the top is just so the ceiling is so high. I think right, I think right. on your show a couple of weeks ago, you guys were talking about these receivers, and I think it was Ben Solak who said, if you told me the the best rookie receiving uh, season right. for many of these guys, right. if, if it wasn't Marvin Harrison Jr., he would guess it's Keon Coleman. Right. I mean, yeah, the pure just explosiveness, like, in the short area. I don't know if he's necessarily, like, got the most long speed, but right. I think he's pretty explosive in the short area, for especially for how big he is. He's a basketball player, like, a big-time basketball player. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see that in his game, um, the way he gets open, the way he uses his body to, like, fend people off at the catch point. Like, totally. he has incredible hands. The most, like, ludicrous catch you've ever seen, of course, on tape. Yeah. Um, the famous one that everyone shares. But, I mean, it, it kind of just shows you, like, his skill set. Um, he's pretty good after the catch in terms of, like, he can make guys miss. He can jump over guys. There's a famous uh, one of where he jumped over yep. a guy on the sideline. Um, I think the numbers don't necessarily paint that as, like, he's really good after the catch, but I think right. he has it in his bag. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the same deal. It's the same deal with A.D. Mitchell. Like, his analytical profile, not very good. Um, if you look at, like, yards per outrun and his, his percentage of the team's pass attempts, um, it's just, like, if you're going purely on an analytical profile point of view, like, he's really low mm-hmm. in this class. But if you look at the physical traits, the, the pure talent, um, going back to last year at Michigan State, like, he outproduced Jaden Reed. And so I'm like, you know, sometimes, like, you have to look past the analytical profile. I know some people will just go right by the profile mm-hmm. and, and trust that because our eyes lie to us. Sure. But I don't know, man. With him, it's really hard to ignore kind of, like, what you see on tape and the explosiveness and the size and again, it's probably going to matter where he lands. I think sure. depending on how quickly he'll he'll kind of like hit the ground running. But um, he's another guy that I'm I'm cautiously I'm a little cautious about him. But like he's super exciting. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Enough about the receivers. Okay. Like, can I... All right. Thank you to Danny Kelly. I know that was long, but I think it was a ton of really fantastic information on six guys the Titans may very well be selecting as future. I was going to, well, Titans, I was going to say like <clears throat> hoping their tent poles of the, the future of this team as they rebuild, because um, with the Brian Callahan offense putting together this new team around Will Levis, it's going to matter a ton. If one of their first or second round picks is a receiver that that guy cannot just pan out, but contribute early and often. Yep. I, I agree with you there. Um, a lot of good insight there, especially about guys who, could realistically be around that 38 mark. I think Troy Franklin is a fascinating one that I've now put more on my board that could be there for 38. And then what to do with the, with the Texas uh, receivers, because I think both of them are 
they have their upside, right? But there seems to be certain limitations on their game. Neither that, is perfect. They're yeah, they're very flaws interesting to see how they would fit into this kind of system that Tennessee is trying to build. Speaking of receivers that are on the same team as other guys in this draft class, um, as we as we look forward to tomorrow's testing and some really telling performances on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium from the receivers, the running backs, and the quarterbacks. Uh, a lot's going to be made about some of these guys' numbers, and, and we're expecting a number of them to really, really show out. Two guys that I'm really curious about, and we I think we talked about this on the show yesterday, yeah, with the, the Texas um, defensive tackles, where when you've got two guys at the same position in the same class, it, it I, I think often the second guy gets undervalued just naturally. All three of Washington's top receivers are in this class. I think the, there were four of them, and one is staying and three of them have come out right um so maybe i'm wrong maybe three it's three of the four i can't remember if the fourth one was the worst or not i i'm not a washington football guy obviously um but i know enough about these three and watched enough of them um on tape and i've heard folks talk enough about them to know that jalen polk and jalen mcmillan out of washington neither are a, a slouch both are projected to go within the top first 100 picks top and first 100 picks isn't that crazy uh, in the 2024 draft, Jalen Polk, 53 overall on the consensus board. Jalen McMillan, 96 overall on the consensus board. Both guys, uh, my favorite session to watch at the Combine is the receivers. And not just their 40s and their testing, but watching them move. That was the session last year where I felt most tuned in, most plugged in to what we were watching. And there is that element of, I think we talked about this on the Combine preview show last week, last Friday. There is an element of an eye test of just seeing how a guy moves differently. Somebody that really stands out to you in both a negative and or a positive way out there on the field when they are amongst their peers, all in a controlled environment. Um, certain guys just look different and you can tell it's not hard. There's something about that guy that is going to work. There's something about him that elevates him above the rest in whatever category. Um, I'm stoked to see who stands out to me in that way. And, and they do a good job of breaking up the groups. It's not all the receivers at once. And so we get to see them kind of, we, we get a chance to really pay attention to all of them tomorrow. Yeah. And I think adding two more names to that, you look at guys like Cooper, uh, not Cooper, Lad McConkey, another white boy. Yeah. Uh, Lad McConkey and then Malachi Corley are sure. two guys who are very interesting because of their fluidity and their movement and route running ability. Yep. Um, very interested to see what they do and how their uh, performance tomorrow kind of impacts where they're going right now. And then one more I'll put out there, Roman Wilson, who I'm certainly not as high on him as some You're others. a hater, bro. I guess I am, but um, Roman Wilson is another guy who continues to rise up boards and is now getting some of that second round buzz to mm -hmm. him. So I'm interested to see if he can continue to build uh, on what he did at the senior bowl. Roman's teammate, Cornelius Johnson, who was the two in that uh, Michigan offense this past year is somebody I'm going to have my eye on. Uh, I don't, I don't know what I'm expecting from him. I just know that some folks that I trust who have gotten to him so far in the process, I certainly have not watched him yet. He's 270 overall on the consensus board. Um, they, they have good things to say about him. Think he could be a day three option. That is a nice sleeper choice. The last guy I want to mention is somebody that I think really stands to help themselves out from a narrative standpoint tomorrow making sure I can find it because I want some information. There we go. Tez Walker out of North Carolina. Um, Tez is a guy that we saw at the senior bowl. He is a guy that has had a pretty rough senior bowl um, and his star has kind of fallen. He was a fringe first round talent 
a month ago. Um, that was what he was considered to be. And today he is number 58 overall on the consensus board. Um, it, it's important to note, like how well you catch on any given day one, like whether or not he had a good senior bowl or whether or not he has a good combine performance tomorrow is not indicative of what he's capable of. Like we have games and games of tape. That's what's important. That's what the actual decision makers are looking at. But in terms of narrative, which does matter whether you like it or not, um, he could really stand to have a, a strong showing tomorrow, not have a lot of drops, make some impressive catches, just do what you're asked to do, show off his physicality, his his athleticism, which I know that he has. He is an athletic guy. Um, he, he could help himself out and kind of stop, you know, stop taking on water a little bit from the past month, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Okay, let's talk about some DBs who we saw testing today. We just got back from that, and a number of them really, really impressed us, JT. A couple of them came in a little bit disappointing. Let's talk about a guy that I know you and I have both had our eye on for a month now since the Senior Bowl. We saw him there. Brother of Bo Melton, wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, who was drafted just last year, two years ago? One or two years One, ago. Yeah. Within the past two years. Um, he was a very good athlete and a sneaky pick. His brother's a very good athlete and it's a sneaky pick. Max Melton, I think the secret is out on him. He had a phenomenal day from a testing standpoint. His RS unofficial comes in at 9.65 out of 10. His size, not the greatest in the world, 5'11 flat, 187 pounds. But man, the guy can move. An elite explosion athlete, an elite speed athlete. Ran a 4.39 unofficial 40-yard dash, which is moving. I think he's... I think he's gotten himself into the day two discussion. I, I I will be surprised if he is there as a day three option. And if he is, I can go ahead and tell you he'll be at the top of my board. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think the Max Mel uh, Melton Hive is, is rising right now. Yes. And it's a darn shame that the Titans don't have a I wish Stoney was in here because I know he's a Max Melton guy. Um, but yeah, it's it is you you're you're couldn't truer words have never been spoken that it is a shame the Titans didn't have a third round pick. Um, because he is a guy that I think is going to be in that conversation. Quinion Mitchell's another guy. Just let's get these senior bowl guys out of the way. We talked about him as potentially cornerback one coming out of the senior bowl. I think I'm there. It, he's just, he's just got it all. And when you see him, you know, he went to Toledo. Quinion Mitchell did. He he was talked about as a fringe first round pick at the beginning of February. And then it became, oh yeah, he's going to be a first rounder. And then it became, oh, he's going to be a top 20 player. And then it became, he might be a top 15 draft pick. And I'm to the point where he may very well be the first cornerback off the board in the top 15. He just does everything so well. He's so sound. He's so athletic. When you see him again, playing at Toledo didn't always face the best competition. So it's kind of hard from a tape perspective to know exactly what you're getting with him. But at the senior bowl amongst his peers, guys that are much more his equal in that way, held his own and stood out amongst the crowd. And then today out there with those guys, the way he moves that eye test element, He's just got it. Yep. I, I it's, it's fascinating case study here. I don't think we've ever seen a player just rise, the, raise their draft stock and rise up as Quinion Mitchell. As has. quickly. I mean, it, it's pretty incredible to see that he was a fringe guy and now could be the top cornerback mm -hmm. considering. That it has his, to be just a notoriety thing. The, the so, Toledo yep. element, because the, the he didn't become, again, he did not it's become not like, much it, better at football like, in the last month. Yeah, yeah, it's not like it's just because of that. If you look at the tape, it's also very, very impressive. Yeah. Um, a couple other guys that were really impressive. How about a Nate Wiggins, cornerback out of Clemson, who had a bit of a scare today with a groin issue after he ran the fastest 40 time we've seen so far. Uh, maybe there's one that happened right now that we missed, but 
From the tight ends? Well, yeah, good point. No, if the tight end beat this number, I need to know who they are so I can make them the first pick. Uh, how about Nate, Nate Wiggins running a a four two nine nine? Just making sure I got that right. Four two nine. Uh, I, I didn't know if it was an eight or not. I don't want to. I don't want to short him a hundredth of a second yep. because the guy was flying. Now he he said that he hurt his groin. I think he just pulled a groin um, on that run. He only ran once, so he could even beat that again if he were to run it again. Unfortunately, he didn't get to today. He has a 9.42 unofficial uh, RAS score so far. Uh, quite tall, six foot one, uh, only 173 pounds though. And so he's somebody that is a one percenter on the weight side of things, a 98% speed though. Uh, he's just, he's just, he's Kachow. He's Lightning McQueen. He's just speed, speed, speed. He's got long, lanky levers, um, big, long strides. He doesn't look like he's running that fast when he's running, like he, fast, but not that fast because he's just taking six yard steps at a time. It's really impressive to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not. One, I mean, if the Titans were to trade back and take a guy like him, I think I could see Denard Wilson, you know, really being able to use that speed and sure. kind of maybe bulk him up a little bit and right. kind of focus on his physicality in his play. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Mac, uh, Nate, Nate Wiggins is is in that discussion. I don't think he's uh, the the number one prospect though. But the speed right. is undoubted. Yeah, no, he's and I, I'd imagine he's a, a pretty sure thing to be a first round pick. I mean, where is he on the consensus board? It's, uh, it's 15. 15. Yeah. Okay. So he's probably going to be off the board in that first round. Uh, Andrew Phillips, a guy that was a senior bowl standout who I know you're pretty fond of an eight, eight, nine unofficial RAS. Very, very solid from him. Great explosive grades, a 42 vertical, uh, 11 foot broad had perfectly fine 50 or 50 yard dash 40 yard dash time. He's just not the biggest guy in the world. Only five, 10 and a half. 190 pounds, but he makes up for what he lacks in size with sound technique, as we talked about yesterday. So he's somebody to keep an eye on as a potential day three option for the Titans. And then uh, Cam Hart, we want to talk about Cam Hart a little bit. He He's somebody that I think people are really catching on to in the same way that um, you got a Jarvis Brownlee rising up the boards. You got a Max Melton rising up the boards. Cam Hart is catching a lot of attention because I think primarily of his size. He is somebody that is projected to be a late day two, early day three available player. And yet he is 6'3", 202 pounds. Big guy who is explosive despite his size, has an elite explosive grade according to RAS, and a good composite speed grade, a 4'5", flat 40-yard dash, perfectly reasonable. That's somebody that you could really use, and I think it's just an element of rawness with him where he needs to be molded by a talented secondaries coach who better than Denard Wilson, who has had number one secondary in the NFL the past two seasons with two different teams. And it's uh, good to note as well that Cam Hart talked a lot about his relationship with Kyle Hamilton, another guy that Denard Wilson has worked with, and that's turned out pretty good. Um, so I'm sure if he were to go to the Titans, Kyle Hamilton, that connection, I, I think that would help as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one guy we have to mention in a negative light is Ennis Rakestraw Jr., who was, I guess technically is, where is he on the consensus board? He's around top 32, I yeah, believe. 30 yeah, 30 overall on the consensus board. I, I don't think that's going to hold. His RAS score came in at a 4.79, which you might say, okay, like there are exceptions to rules. Yes, there are. Um, and the RAS system is not perfect, certainly not. However, there is an element of history uh, involved, and in RAS, they've been doing this a long time. There has only ever been two guys in the history of RAS 
the, at the cornerback position who have been pro bowlers who have had less than a five res score and one was a udfa and one uh, was a draft pick who went to a single pro bowl so pro bowls are not 100 percent representative obviously of how good you are and res is, is not the end-all be-all but he's just not athletic or big enough to justify as a first round pick in my opinion i uh, ran a four five four 40 yard dash certainly not a blazer um, his, his explosive grade was just fine. A 10 foot flat broad jump. He's 5'11, 183 pounds. So he's a slender guy and he's not that tall. I just, I mean, I know on tape, he put together some really impressive footage and it's going to get him drafted in the second or third round. Uh, but I, I think that he's probably to, of, of no fault of his own necessarily hurt himself at the combine more than anything. Yeah. I, it- it's tough to see, right? Because then that's that traits first tape that we've talked about for a very, very long time, uh, especially last year uh, with the Peter Skaronsky traits first tape. Sure. And I think that's the, the conversation that you have to have with uh, Rick Straw Jr. Yeah, and I, I think back to last year, um, who was the South Carolina, the the the, the less impressive uh, South Carolina cornerback who we, Smith, we who we yeah I think so who we felt no Cam Smith was the better one I think. I'll find it, but Darius Rush. Darius Rush. Thank you. Darius Rush, a fifth round pick when it was all said and done, I believe, by the Indianapolis Colts, did not even make their final roster after camp. He was somebody that we fell in love with a year ago, probably to the day at the combine because of how freaky athletic he is. Could an Andrew Phillips be that guy? A Cam Hart be that? Cam Hart's probably the best example. Big, physical, explosive, great speed. Very, very possible. Like that's just sometimes you're a great athlete, but you're not a good ball player. The, them's the breaks and could an NS rake straw junior be a guy that is an exception. Yes. But in general, you have to take these things into consideration. And so I think that um, these are important data points and it informs where we have these guys on our boards. Yep. All right. I think that's it for us today. Tomorrow we'll have the most to talk about primarily because we'll have more interviews. We will have offensive line quotes from the morning, which are the quotes I'm most looking forward to because offensive linemen, you never quite know what you're going to get from them. Sometimes it's a brick wall. Sometimes it's a whole lot of words and sometimes it's some interesting comments. So I hope we get a little bit of all of it in the morning. And then the biggest testing day of the week, the testing for the wide receivers, quarterbacks and running backs. I'd imagine tomorrow's show begins later just because we're not going to want to skip out of that testing early. We're going to see as much of it as possible. So stay tuned on at hot read pod on Twitter for updates on when we're going to go live. If I had to guess somewhere in the six to seven o'clock hour central standard time, if it's earlier than that, we'll let you know on at hot read pod on Twitter. Also follow that social account. Same handle at hot read pod on Instagram and on TikTok. JT, it's been a pleasure. Folks, make sure you're subscribed at Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page as we have one last live show coming to you live here from Indianapolis at the 2024 NFL Combine. Until tomorrow, I'm your host, Easton Freeze, from producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Pod. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>